Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With karate, I'll kick your ass. From here to right over there. Oh yeah, motherfucker. Gonna kick your fucking dairy. Yeah, yeah. You broke the rules. Now I'm pulling out your pubic hair. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. Oh, baby, baby. It's March. It's March. Hey, it's the year. It's the month of my birth. But more importantly to you, probably, it means March Madness. That's right. March Madness. One of the most exciting times in sports. NBA is in full swing as well. But college basketball is really at its most exciting point, And there's no reason why you shouldn't be going to bet online to stay up to date and to place your bets and have some fun. Tournament is here. So is the $100,000 bracket madness contest at Bet Online. You heard me correctly. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. There's no excuses. Head to the website, betonline.ag, and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off. With your welcome bonus, it's all on your first deposit. You heard me correctly. 50% off as a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Also, so happy to say that this podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew. What's Blue Chew, you say? Well, it's a company that's making serious waves. Why? Because it's increasing confidence in the bedroom. And that's important, man. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it's in a chewable form at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no embarrassing visits to the doctor, no awkward kind of situations at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical professionals, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Best part, all done online. So, try BlueChew free by going to BlueChew.com and use the promo code Mikey. That's M-I-K-E-Y at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's uh, BlueChew.com, promo code Mikey, and receive your first month free. Oh, my babies, my babies. It is Mikey Likes You. Welcome. Oh, welcome, everyone. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about health and fitness and wellness and habit forming and all that fun stuff. And frankly, anything you want to talk about. Uh, Today is a question and answer. I went online at at Mike Catherwood on my Instagram at uh, Mikey Likes You One, the number one. And uh, I put a video. That video said, hey, give me questions so that I can give you answers later in the day on Mikey Likes You. So guess what? That's what I'm doing. So let's get cracking. My friend Tim Watkins writes me, Tim A., If you lost a testicle or both testicles to an unfortunate case of testicular cancer, would you purchase the prosthetic testicle replacements? Had this conversation with a friend that lost one. He will not be replacing the failed testy. He'll be freeballing. Hmm. Uh, I I think 
No, no, I don't. I don't think I would replace it, especially if it was only one. Because the nudicles, I believe that's what they're called. Harry, don't even think about it. Don't no, bah, bah. no barking. Um, the replacement testicles are nudicles, I believe that's what they're called. They're really at that point only cosmetic because your testes are no longer going to be providing you with like hormonal support and all the other stuff that testes do. Um, a lot of people think that's where your semen and sperm and stuff comes from. Not true. It comes from the prostate. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, I, I, aesthetically, I'm not that concerned with balls, <laughs> you know, no, the answer is no. Um, M Salazar, 87, been doing the six motion exercise routine you recommended. I also roll BJJ three times a week. I've always had some sort of weightlifting routine and I'm in decent shape. My goal is to get a little more lean yet grow my chicken legs. Anything I should change up or focus on. A uh, very interesting question. <sighs> Okay, you're, you, hmm. there's two problems here. Um, my main goal is to get more lean, yet grow my chicken legs. If you're an abject beginner, there can be some leaner chicken leg growth. The problem is, is that as you put it, you're in decent shape already and you've always been lifting weights. I don't see you as someone who's a beginner. If you really want to put meat on your chicken legs, I can relate. I, I was given chicken legs myself. Um, you gotta go with a little higher volume. You gotta get nasty and you gotta eat more. And so that doesn't necessarily lend itself to getting leaner. Now, that being said, if you're very, very, very sharp with your diet, also more importantly, if you're very, very sharp with your recovery, Given that you're exhausting so much energy anaerobically with rolling jujitsu, you could gain muscle mass and at, at the very least keep body fat at the same level. Um, it's very hard. I'm not saying it's biologically impossible, but it's incredibly hard for, an, for a normal person, not an elite athlete, to lose body fat not being in a caloric deficit. It can happen. But like I said, there has to be oftentimes drugs involved. There has to be uh, an, an immense level of genetic um, predispondence to results. And oftentimes it comes with a superhuman level of training. Um, so... My best advice to you is focus on your jujitsu ability, your skills, and, and really give it your all mentally and emotionally when you're rolling. When you're weight training, engage in the 20 rep squat routine. A lot of people are against it because they have this notion that it's A, dangerous, be too much volume or too hard to maintain. It doesn't give you it doesn't give you results because blah 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 blah. Here's the bottom line. And the 20 rep squat routine is representative of so much in the fitness industry that 
gets demonized for one reason and one reason only, and it's not because of its quality or its results. It's demonized nowadays because it's so fucking hard. And fitness professionals, for a very long time, it used to be just in blogs and magazines. Now, with the advent of social media, you are inundated with so much information that tells you not to train too frequently, not to train too intensely, not to engage in the old school 20 rep squat program that Arnold and his buddies trained too much, blah, 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 blah. So much of that. Some of it is true. Some of it has validity. But a lot of it, a, a huge chunk of it is just that that shit is so hard and people are always looking for a way to market things that aren't hard. The 20 rep squat routine is the absolute best way to put mass on your legs. Good mass, solid mass. It also is an excellent training program, period, because it's so fucking hard and it forces you to go to really dark places um, aerobically, anaerobically. Um, it tests you emotionally and psychologically very much. It can and has for me and a lot of uh, natural athletes not only put solid mass on the thigh thigh area, it helped me grow and stay leaner all over my body. That was as close to some of the best shape I've ever, ever been in my life in the three or four times that I really committed to doing the, uh, let's see, I believe it's, it's, you know, I'm going to actually Google it. Because there's a real deal 20 rep squat routine. Um, it was all based off of a book, Super Squats, I believe. Squat routine. Um, but it might be nine workouts, 20 of the first workouts. Uh, I'm just, all, all it's based around is you squat three times a week for one fully balls to the wall set of 20. Then it's followed by a short full body routine. Okay? Um, once a 20 rep barbell squat routine. 20 rep squat is time proven old school workouts. This is bullshit here. Um, well, okay. I don't want to waste too much more time searching for the nuts and bolts. I encourage you to do this routine and do it right. I think that it, it a lot of people prescribe two days a week. I prescribe three days a week. Unless you are incredibly busy and old and a beginner. In fact, if you're a beginner, I frankly don't recommend this. You have to be very, very good at squatting. That is the number one warning I will give you because this is a fantastic routine and I do encourage people to do it. I do not and I want you to listen to me. You will fucking hurt yourself if you don't know how to squat properly and I don't want you squatting with low bar. This is not a powerlifting routine. This is a this is a a, a fitness and physique altering routine. Um it, you actually probably won't increase your one rep max too much. It, I think it will increase your one rep max. Um, but it's not a strength program because you will be in, in the six to eight weeks that you do this program, uh, 
you could increase your one rep max um, so much more by doing it in a in a in a more focused strength based way. Uh, but what you will do with this is you will increase the percentage of muscle mass in your body, especially with your lower body. And that being said, it, this is a good uh, transition into something that I think is very important. I don't care if your your number one thing is you want to get bigger arms. I don't care if your your number one focus is getting abs. You should always, always, always be putting your priority on lower body training when it comes to resistance training. Your legs are the main drivers of everything biological in your body because they have so much more muscle mass. After that, the hierarchy goes to the back of the body. And the reason I point this out is because so many people, so many people, except for chicks recently because so many chicks are consumed with their booty, but so many people are consumed with the mirror muscles, your chest, your shoulders, your biceps, and your abs. Okay, cool. People then neglect all the other shit. Here's the problem. All the other shit is where most of your muscle mass is. It's where you can create the most mechanical tension. It's where you have your most mechanical advantage. Um, Your back and your traps and your erectors and your glutes and your hamstrings and your quads. That's so much. It's, 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 It's statistically pretty much all of your musculature, your front delts, your chest, and your abdomen and your biceps, really an incredible pittance of your overall musculature and smaller muscles at that providing you less mechanical tension. You can't lift as much weight. You can't provide as much uh, resistance to your body with your biceps and your chest in the same way that you can with your back and your legs. Everyone, everyone, like I said, even if you're focused on getting leaner, even if you're focused on developing your chest, you should always be prioritizing your lower body. And here's another way of of looking at it too. My original point is so much stuff is demonized simply because it's fucking hard. Leg training's demonized or it's at least avoided by so many of us because it's fucking hard. Lying down on a bench and benching yeah, I mean, it can be painful and you got to dig deep, but it's not that hard. You understand? It's really not. Squatting deep for high reps is miserable. Miserable. Hi, Gloria. My dog just jumped on me. Um, Gloria, would you like to say hi? Yes, yes, mm-hmm, yes. Um, so don't confuse something being ineffective or bad with it being not fashionable. Not fashionable oftentimes is simply because it sucks to do it. But it almost always means that, trust me, you should be doing more of it. 
A lot of people, men, women, old, young, beginners, advanced, they don't get the results they want because they simply avoid the shit they don't like doing. I was that way. But once you bite the bullet and start really tackling the stuff that you hate the most, it's quite amazing how when you see progress in this shit that you don't like, you become addicted to it. Now, all I want to do is squat. All I want to do is squat and deadlift. To the point that, <laughs> to the detriment of my mobility and my anaerobic fitness and all that. But my point is, is that, you know, when I was 19, all I wanted to do was bench press and curls and abdominal work because I thought that that was going to get me to look good in the mirror. It didn't. I bit the bullet three times a week. I would get nasty on the big three lifts and then add in some, you know, pull downs and rows and overhead press. And it's like magic. I started to make all the, um, all the progress that I was always dreaming of making. All right. So six weeks, three times a week, you're going to be doing the 20 rep squat routine. And uh, it's built around this one set of 20 reps. That is horrible. You find your 12 rep maximum. Okay? Find what you can comfortably, you know, difficult. It's difficult, but you can, with good form, squat, high bar squat for 12 reps. Okay? You are going to be shooting to hit 20 reps on that by the end of this six weeks. So six weeks, three training sessions a week. That's 18 training sessions. Okay? You follow me here? 18 training sessions. Six weeks, three times a week. Three times a week, 18 sessions Excuse me. Oh, oh, my God. I made a huge mistake. You start with your five rep maximum. Okay. I was thinking of a different uh, protocol. Five rep maximum. Okay. So what you can squat for five reps right now. Let's say it's 300 pounds. Okay. Knowing that you're going to be training for six weeks, three times a week, 18 training sessions, Go back and subtract five pounds for each exercise, excuse me, for each training session. So that's 18 times five, 90 pounds. Subtract 90 pounds from your five rep maximum. So in this case, it would be 210 pounds. That's what you're going to start with. 90 pounds less than your five, uh, five rep maximum. The reason you subtract 90 pounds is because each time you train three times a week for six weeks, you're going to add five pounds and you're going to do that for 20 reps. So the first workout would be 210 pounds. You're going to go for 20 and it's going to suck. Workout number two, a couple days later, you're going to go for 215 pounds. Add five pounds. You're going to do 20. And it's going to suck. But you're going to keep adding five pounds every single time 
and you're going to hit that 20 repetitions and it's going to be fucking miserable. And I guarantee you for the first two or three sessions, maybe even the first couple weeks, meaning training these six sessions, you're going to get to 14 or 15 reps and be like, I can't do this. You can. I did it. I did it and I was natural and I was older. Probably Last time I did 20 rep squat routine, I was probably like 36 and um, I, I had to buy new jeans and I got, I, I stayed as lean, if not got le- leaner. I started with 305 pounds as my five rep max and I went down to 215 pounds or 200, something like that. Um, and uh, I made it. I did 305 for 20 reps. I did not in any way think I could do that. But I did after six weeks. And pretty much every training session, except for the first couple, I got to like 14 or 15 reps and I'm like, I can't, (laughs) I don't think I can. And I just found something deep inside me, took a couple deep breaths with the bar still racked on my shoulders and I, and I went down and I did it, cranked out another rep, took a couple deep breaths. I was like, I could do this. Go boom. Next rep, next rep. So you hit 20, add five every time, three times a week. And there are some other exercises you should be doing. It's, again, a full-body workout that follows, but it's very short and it's very brief, and it's not necessarily a lot of volume or intensity with the other stuff. Believe me, your abdomen, your lower back, your upper shoulders, um, pretty much everything, except, you know, maybe your biceps, uh, you know, if we're going to get technical, pretty much everything in your body gets trained very heavily by just doing those 20 rep squats. Because in order to stay stable and balanced while you're breathing that heavy, you have to engage pretty much everything in your body, like I said, except for, you know, maybe your pecs a little bit and your, your front delts and biceps. But you're getting a demanding whole body workout just by devoting yourself to doing those high rep squats. Do that six weeks, three times a week, 18 training sessions, and then you get to your five rep maximum at the end of the six weeks and you hit it for 20 reps and you will be the shit. You will perform better. You will look better. You will be so confident and proud of yourself because it's fucking hard. Everyone should do the 20 rep squat routine at some point. Everyone. But. Don't do it until you know you're really good at squatting. Go to Squat University online. Go to YouTube and look at people who really know what they're talking about. Do not do powerlifting style low bar squats. You are doing high bar squatting on this. Okay, that's another little warning. But go for it. So you, super jacked, awesome BJJ guy, give it a shot. Take six weeks. Is it going to be probably the best thing for you when it comes to developing your BJJ? Maybe not, but it's only six weeks, and you're going to get your desired results. And after that six weeks, you can then devote more time to and more energy to your training. But realistically, it's so demanding what you're doing in, in the weight room that it will take away – I don't. I, it won't necessarily take away from your skill, but it, you're going to be so sore and shit that um, – there will be some decline, at least in, in at least your ability to fully commit physically to your BJJ. But you got to periodize. Every athlete does it. There's times when you're going to lay off the weights a little bit so that you can just focus more time on being on the mat. 
There's times when vice versa. There's times when you're going to devote to your um, aerobic conditioning and anaerobic conditioning, and you might lose a couple uh, of inches on them thighs, or, or sorry, not a couple inches, but a half an inch on your on your chest width, and you know maybe the muscle and the glycogen and the water inside your muscles does go a little bit down, but you gotta periodize, okay? If you're gonna engage in athletics, that's that's part of the deal. Next question. I know you suggest, this is from Diano Stevie. Hi, Diano Stevie. I know you suggest walking for cardio if you're not getting paid to be in shape, but what would you suggest for an aspiring firefighter? Thank you for all the advice. Ha ha. I have some ideas. But you know what? Never went through the fire academy. Never once carried a hose. Oh, that's not true. I saved a fucking house from burning down. Total true story. My neighbors, when I was growing up, I was 17 years old, was in my bedroom, looked out the window. There was a huge pile of shit. Like a, it looked like a bunch of construction um, waste. It was way on fire. What I do? Ran downstairs, screamed to my mom. I was like, poke the hose through the fence. And she's like, why? Why? I was like, the, the, the neighbor's house on fire. Poke the hose through the fence. P- picked up my shirt, put it over my mouth like I saw in backdraft. Went over there. Started spraying the garden hose, man. I was doing my thing. Probably didn't do much. But in that time, my mom also called 911. Real firemen came. And they said, yeah, you probably did something to at least prevent it from catching in, uh, to the house. And uh, you should be commended for that. So boom. But when it comes to health and fitness and preparation physically for being a fireman, I don't know what I'm talking about that much. So what I'm going to do is now provide you with a conversation that I had with my friend, Chris, who is a fireman and a good one. And here is his advice to you, Diano Stivey, and other people who are thinking about becoming a fireman. Uh, let's say hello to my friend, Chris. Uh, you are a fireman here in Southern California. And how long have you been a fireman? I have been a firefighter for eight years now. And prior to that, I've been an EMT slash paramedic for, I believe it's about 14 years now total. So awesome. In that industry. And uh, you're doing very well. You're, you're very good at your job and you've, you've found um, kind of your rhythm doing it in preparing to become a fireman. What are some things that you did fitness wise that worked for you? What were some things that you definitely carried in that you were like, damn, I'm really glad I, I harped on that. Yeah. So you hit me up this morning just saying, Hey, can, can we have this meeting? And I'm just trying to give it a, you know, a little bit of a thought over the day. And it's a really hard question in the sense that everybody's a little bit different. Um, I mean, I can say, I can say speaking from my Academy and my personal experience, like I had guys that were, you know, very good at running, but they were weak at like, let's say, or they're not weak, but they, they spend a good majority of their time training doing running, you know, Uh, there's other guys who are just doing their training with just weightlifting. And for me, I think I had to find a, a good balance between the two. Um, you know, in the fire Academy, you're not like bench pressing, you're not squatting like traditional, like gym weights, sure. you know? So I think the more diversified you can get in the sense of like awkward body movements and just circuit training and body weight movement, you know, push up, pull-ups, running, just, just divert, diversify yourself with all the exercises you can, I think really helped me, uh, um, you know. And what do you think about as far as like, 
when you say, you know, running, because I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't want anyone to like train for a powerlifting meet or a bodybuilding show to go become a fireman. But at the same time, you know, just saying running is so vague. Do you think that there should be a day of the week that's spent doing a good, you know, five to 10 mile run? There's a couple days of the week that are, you're doing sprints and then maybe two days a week where you do functional movements like a deadlift. And I would imagine grip strength, things like farmer carries would probably be a smart move. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think if, like I said, it, the more you can kind of just go in there cause you don't know what's going to happen the day, every single day, the instructors are going to have something new for you. You know, mm-hmm. it might be like PT is like you said, let's go run eight miles today. And that's all you're going to do. You're going to do, you're going to do some pushups, some sit-ups and maybe a run. And then, you know, that's the, that's the PT. And then you have the rest of the day to throw ladders, uh, you know, cut up cars, whatever they have you doing that day. And then, yeah, like, so for myself, I would try to mix it up as much as I could. You know, I never just did straight long distance running. I would try to find a hill. I would try to do a lot of uh, hill sprints or I'd go to a parking lot and I would just go up and down the, the stairs or I'd go to the San Monica stairs, whatever I could to, to just, mix up my workout routine knowing that every single day I go to the fire academy I'm not knowing what I'm going to expect and then like you said uh pharma carriers is huge grip strength is huge um kettlebells is a really good exercise in the sense that you know you're using you're using your muscles but you're not using them in the traditional like like you said like bodybuilding type way right I mean it's those those are those are movements that you're going to kind of see more in the in the industry of, or in the in the firefighting field than I would say like a traditional like bench press Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, grip strength is huge. Uh, body weight, uh, exercises are huge as well. Okay. Um, focus on, I, 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 I think that that's a really good plan. And, you know, it's from the information that I've gleaned off of, um, how they train special forces and other type of military, you know, military general physical preparedness. It's a lot of emphasis on, on weighted carries, um, any type of like structural strength, you know, like through the trunk, so that you can, you know, carry things, like you said, at odd angles and carry them for a good amount of time. And then also, yeah, yeah, yeah the pull-ups and the push-ups, like, why not? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the fire industry is a, is a paramilitary um, field. And so I believe they get a lot of their training from military, you know. So, um, and you got to, and you got to realize there's, there's the two different, when you, when you approach me with this question, I, I had to think about it. And then there's two different ways you can kind of look at it. You kind of look at it as what's going to prepare you for the fire Academy. And that is however many weeks, whatever department you get hired with, you know, um, I think ours is usually traditionally 16 week, uh, fire Academy, okay. you know, so they're kicking your ass for 16 weeks. They're breaking you down. And that's huge too, where it's, it's, it's a mental and it's a physical game. So you got to go in there mentally like, Hey, I'm about to get, you know, my ass kicked for 16 weeks. They're going to break me down. They're going to yell at me. They're going to, you know, but in the end, they're trying to get me as well as everyone else I got hired with on the same level. And then they're going to build our foundation from there. But they want you to go in there. They're not, their goal is not to get you into shape in the fire academy. You should go in there to mentally prepare you, to train you, but, and to get you, you know, train you the way that they want you to be trained for their fire department. Their goal is not to get you cardiovascular cardiovascularly in shape or uh, physically strong. Like you should already be going into the Academy. Yeah. You're going to come out of there even better, mm. but you should already have a good baseline. And um, I mean, 
it, like I said, everyone is different. And I kind of also kind of look at it like, like in a, um, in a sport, in a fight academy, you know, mm-hmm. some trainers do, or some fighters do uh, better, you know, no weights at all. Some do better, uh, with body weights. Some do better with, um, uh, circuit training. It's just kind of, I think you just, it's on an individual basis and you got to realize what works best for you. Right. And you also got to realize that you got to work on what's you're also weak at because you do, you know, like I said, you and I are, you and I are not long distance runners, Yeah. but if I can, but if I can run eight miles and still have enough energy and, uh, you know, stamina to last me throughout the day after running eight miles and not feel beat up. And that's, that's what I wanted to go into the fire Academy, uh, kind of feeling, you know, resiliency. Um, I wanted yeah, resiliency. And then you also kind of, and then you have to look at the, the same question is it's a long career. I mean, it's potentially a 30 year career. So you also got to look at what's going to last you for your entire career as far as like body movement wise, you know, right. like, I mean, when you get out of the fire Academy, yeah, you can start putting on a little bit more muscle. You can kind of start playing around with your hobbies a little bit more, but you still gotta, you still gotta keep up with those basic, uh, type movements as well as just cardiovascular uh, strengths in my opinion right. awesome that's a lot of good information i appreciate it was the was the most harmful thing for you in the academy at least emotionally um having to shower with other men and having them see <laughs> your incredibly small cock <laughs> well thank goodness that uh, uh we actually didn't have to do uh, that uh, but the the classes after me they did have to take showers yeah. together so uh, I was fortunate in that sense um, oh, you, you skated yeah. <laughs> I skated <laughs> by I, either way either way I probably would just use wet wipes or something so whatever I can do to avoid that situation uh, yeah you're, you're speaking my language you know I'm in the same boat so, so I'm, there's no judgment here <laughs> um, thank yeah, you Chris I, I sincerely appreciate it dude yeah like I said I mean I hope I can help you guys out with a little bit of information and just you know everyone's a little bit different and whatever works for them. But mentally, I think mentally being prepared is almost, it's, it's more important than being physically impaired and just knowing that, you know, this is your dream job. You've, you've done a lot, of, a lot of work to get to that job and yeah. whatever you got to do to stick with it. I mean, the physical part is fine. You know, that's the grind, but it's the mental part that's, that that's going to kind of wear on you. And you just got to keep that in mind that, Hey, hey this is in the angle in the end goal this is what you really want for 30 years so thank you dude a lot of good information i really appreciate it yeah all right mike real quick we'll get back to the podcast i want to take a brief moment to talk about one of my newest sponsors ebay everybody knows what ebay is but i don't know if everyone knows that it is the absolute place to go for your shoes if you're a sneakerhead doesn't matter baby Dead stock, rare stuff, latest releases. Find the exact shoe you're looking for right there on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop that pair you've had your eye on. eBay's authenticity guarantee means your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. Because there's a lot of fakes out there, a lot of fugazi. You know what I'm saying? But a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. 
And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over 100 bucks, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So there you go. Thank you to my friend Chris. He's in great shape and he's a good fireman, so I would trust everything that he has to say. Uh, Dat dude germs. (laughs) Dat dude germs. I know that dude. What's a great motivation to work out and train when stressed out and feeling like shit? Good question. Um, I think there's a misconception that people who are super fit, um, that they all have this never-ending motivation or that they always feel like training. I certainly don't. I do like it. I do get a lot out of it. But there are many training sessions. I would go as far to say once a week. I go in to train at the Muay Thai gym or to box or to lift weights. And I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to. I got stress, man. The COVID thing is driving me nuts. The, uh, The whole trying to put my career back together in a way that is more congruent with what I want out of life. Not relying on a big kind of media corporation to just pay me a check. But then I have to do what they have, they tell me to do. It's way more stressful than just showing up at a radio station or a TV station and doing what they tell me and then collecting a paycheck. That's way easier, but it's also way more taxing on me emotionally because I always like, I don't want to say this and I don't really give a shit about this story I'm reporting on. So that bugs me, but now I get the freedom of doing stuff like this or great news, my other show with Kevin from Kevin Bean. I get to engage in developing TV shows that I like, that I would actually watch. But that's stressful. I have no stability. I don't know how much money I'm going to make this year, and it fucking freaks me out. So I feel it, man. I feel you. Sometimes I don't sleep very well. Sometimes I'm incapable of getting home and measuring my sirloin. I have to stop it in and out and get a bunless 4 by 4 or a, a, even a protein bar. It's something I don't necessarily want to eat. and I just start end up feeling like shit. I just remind myself that taking the 45 minutes to go to a place where I am not only encouraged, where it's not only allowed, I am encouraged to go fucking crazy. It inevitably, inevitably, hey, don't, don't you fucking, de- Harry, 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 don't you, it inevitably makes me feel better. When I feel like shit, when I don't want to train and I end up training and I somehow about halfway through get this second win and I start training harder than usual and I walk out the doors and I feel like a new man. So I just remind myself of that. I go, hey, I feel like ass right now. I don't want to train. I'm stressed. I'm angry. 
I'm bitter. I'm upset. I have resentments. I have uh, shame. Whatever it is. I go and I hit the bag or I go and I deadlift or I go and squat or hit the rower, whatever it is, and I go fucking ham. Better than any SSRI or antidepressant in the world. I mean it. I know. I take them. There's nothing like it. You'll always feel better. Take out your aggressions in a positive way. There's so many reasons why boxing or weight training or football or MMA or wrestling, all these things, there's, there's never-ending stories of how it saved people's lives. There's a lot of reasons for that. But the biggest reason is, is because finally you have a place where your anger is a gift. Your anger can be exercised. Your anger, your resentment, all of that. Take it to the heavy bag. Take it to the jujitsu mat. Take it to the barbell. That's what it's for. No one's going to get mad at you. No one's going to judge you for going and training hard and testing yourself and pushing yourself and getting fucking angry deep inside. Channel it, use it, focus it in a positive way. Control the anger instead of letting it control you. How? By taking it and using it like a little bitch, like you're like you're a, like a dominatrix and it's your bitch. And you go in there and you take that anger and you p- apply it to something external. You put, you, it's the fire inside instead of just allowing it to mindlessly burn you up from within You take that fire and you breathe it like a dragon right out into something that's designed for it. Not on your partner, not on your friends, not on your coworkers, on something that that's what it's for. For you to exert aggression and anger and resentments and whatever you may have. Because if you don't do that, it's going to stay inside you and it's going to burn you from within. So there you go. That is my super cheesy yet... Very real form of motivation for when you don't want to train. Uh, I blopix, ibloplex, iblopex. I blopex. He asks, is there any benefit to walking, running, wearing a weight vest? There is benefit to rucking or walking long distances with a weight vest or a some type of loaded backpack. Um, hiking or rucking, as it's called in the military and in other type of law enforcement or firefighting, um, there's myriad benefits. It's, it's fantastic. I don't frankly know if there's any benefit to running with a weight vest. I will say it does sound dangerous because running already provides Undue force on your knees and ankles. Uh, I'm not saying don't run, but what I am saying is that when you do run, even if you're healthy, there is a stress that's put on the ankles and the knees. Adding artificial weight, I don't think that sounds very smart. And unlike most people think, um, providing things uh, like an external force that makes you run slower, even though it provides resistance, is not actually very good for running faster. 
So if you're looking at like calorie burn or something, I'm not saying it it wouldn't work. I just saying I'm just saying I don't know. One thing I do know is it won't make you any faster. In fact, it can make you slower because the synapses and the way that it fires, it gets accustomed to working slowly. It's the same thing as why um, powerlifting is not necessarily a great thing to do for a, a fighter, a boxer, or something like that. Yes, strength is important, and you should build a strength base, and I do think building strength is important, but engaging in uh, above 85% one rep max where you have to move slowly, it actually trains your body to move slowly, even though you're pushing against a negative force. This is all coming from Nick Kurson, who's a wizard when it comes to sports performance. And I've worked with the guy and I've studied everything he said. And look, there's ample and conclusive scientific proof that when you're trying to do something to move quickly, moving slowly is not a good idea. That does not go for aerobic conditioning where you're, you're talking about walking or jogging at a, at a intended slow pace. I'm talking about when there's an external force that's forcing you to go slower. Not a good idea when you want to go faster. Um, so I would look into that with someone else who is smarter than me when it comes to weight vests. I do think there's a tremendous amount of benefit to walking with a weight vest. I do think there's a tremendous amount of safe and effective benefit to doing body weight exercises with a weight vest. Getting yourself to, um, you know, Jim Wendler's a big proponent of this and Jim Wendler's a super smart guy that I respect very much. And he himself trains um, two or three days a week with a weight vest, uh, a moderately weighted one for a guy his strength and he does his pull-ups and push-ups and his you know body weight squats and i do think that there is uh, there's some benefit to that but running jury's out as far as i'm concerned check it out for yourself with people who would know better someone who's like a, a specialist in training military special forces and training firemen police things like that timing from smiley island seven timing I'm currently doing your three-day split weight training deal, which is awesome. Okay, thank you. You say, do a three-minute rest between sets. Just wondering why and what effects does the time in between sets hold? You're the best, answer or not. Well, thank you, Smiley Island 7. Here's my take on rest intervals. Far too many people confuse the weight room with a place to get in good condition can it be that yes if that is your overall goal uh, if you're an mma fighter if you're a football player there is some value into shortening your rest intervals or doing circuits where you're doing exercises back to back to back that is not what most people are after even the aforementioned MMA fighter, wrestler, football player has blocks where they focus on strength alone. That is just true. Do I think that strength is imperative to being a good wrestler, MMA fighter, boxer, football player? No, it's not as imperative as conditioning. It's not as imperative as skills. Skills is always the most important thing when it comes to a sport. Beneath that, Strength is indefinitely valuable, but it's not something that should be focused on purely. When it comes to changing your physique, 
everyone should be using the weight room for strength. Okay? There will come a time when if you really want to get super jacked, you can focus on hypertrophy, which is opposite of pure strength. You will lower the weight. You will raise the reps. But you cannot get to the point where you have effective hypertrophy when you don't get strength. And you will not get any strength by training hypertrophy. Maybe marginal amounts. But you certainly won't get it if you haven't trained your strength to a reasonable amount yet. You will get some hypertrophy, if your diet is correct, by training strength. It is the most overall bang for your buck when it comes to your metabolism, when it comes to achieving a good look. Adding strength makes everything better. Because of that, I need people to start resting more and training less. Training harder, training less, adding in reasonable, focused rest periods. There is no reason to deadlift and then one minute later deadlift again. You need three to five minutes. I just say three because I do think that the average person of reasonable health can recover under that amount of time. If you are starting to get very good at strength, you can rest longer. I know it sounds crazy, but believe me, if you're super strong and you're engaging in weight training, especially in compound lifts, that is super heavy, your body needs serious rest before you can engage in any other type of lift. When you're trying to maximize strength, you're trying to increase the amount of weight or reps that you can do for a certain given period of time, you do not want to compromise your ability to do that. What does that mean? It means you need to rest between sets to a point that you can then engage in a training uh, in a training environment that helps you increase your strength. You cannot increase your strength if you're doing circuit training. You cannot increase your strength if you're doing Barry's Boot Camp. You cannot increase your strength if you are doing a, uh, a, a condensed 30-second rest um, high-volume pump workout. Strength is what so many people are missing, and it is the number one reason why people – diet is the number one reason why people don't get the results they want. Okay, so – After that, it is a complete avoidance of strength training. People think, I don't want big muscles. I want to be lean and muscular, so I'm just going to do high reps of fill in the blank. I'm going to do my pink dumbbells and do some fucking curls and some laterals. I'm going to do a lot of push-ups because I don't want to look like a big hulking bodybuilder. But no one – I don't mean this as an insult. I'm trying to point something out. Most people are not strong. Not at all. At all. Even people who lift weights a lot and have been doing it for years and they contact me and they want advice. I go, uh, well, you got to, what's your deadlift like? And they, you know, it's a 230 pound guy. And he's like, "Uh, you know, like, you know, occasionally I can get up to 135. I go, wait, but listen, you can't do any chin ups and you're deadlifting 135 and you're benching 95. Okay. You're not, you need to be strong, strong, stronger than a human should naturally be. Once you have that, 
then you can genuinely start exploring other things like high-level fat loss, like hypertrophy, meaning, you know, serious muscle mass, like high performance in a sport. But people, most everyone listening, okay, unless you're, you know, there's some crazy fucking power lifters out there, real bodybuilders or whatever, most people are not anywhere near strong enough to do what they want to do. And that it, I know there I know there's girls listening right now who are like, well, this doesn't apply to me. Wrong. Wrong. Most of the girls you see on Instagram with the insane bodies, lean, thin, they're strong as shit. Pound for pound, strong as fuck. And they didn't get there by doing a boot camp and they didn't get there by doing yoga and Pilates and they didn't get there by doing their pink little dumbbells. They got it by a focused effort for a prolonged period of time of devoting to getting strength. And you can't develop your strength with teeny little rest intervals. Go to war. Then rest so that you have the ability to go to war again. That is why I recommend three-minute rest intervals. It can be higher. I don't think it can be reasonably much lower if when strength is your goal and strength should be most people's goal. Okay. Thank you. Any advice on how to strengthen your core after a minor abdominal surgery? Ooh. Um I have some ideas, but I must say I'm always reticent to give advice on how to recover from serious injuries and a surgery even if it's a minor surgery is a serious injury the abdominal wall is so crucial to everyday function that i feel like it's inappropriate for me to say do these exercises because i don't know what your minor abdominal surgery was was it a hernia was it a a car accident where you ruptured something and I just, uh, honestly, I think it would be irresponsible for me to recommend what you should do to strengthen your abdominal wall. One thing I can say with, with confidence is that work of anti-flexion, not flexion, but anti-flexion and anti-rotation on the core is so profoundly safe and much more effective than a lot of the flexion work that people do when they think of abdominal training. What do I mean by that? Flexion meaning flexing the muscles, contracting the muscle, like a sit-up, like a crunch, like a leg lift, not really the safest or most effective way to train your abdominal wall or your lower back or your obliques. Resisting the force to flex is where you should be looking. What does that mean? It means the ab wheel. It means planks. It means um, certain anti-rotation movements. Like if you have a band out in front of you, you put your hands out in front, straight in front of you, and you have a band that's pulling you to the right, you have to hold it by using your left oblique to keep it straight. These are things that truly strengthen the abdominal area and they do it in a safe way. Dr. Stuart McGill is a man that I would look at when it comes to strengthening your core, getting rid of low back pain, uh, having stronger abs and, and core area to perform better, 
Dr. Stuart McGill is a magician. I got involved in Dr. Stuart McGill. I'd always heard about his shit, but I never really took much interest in it because I wanted to be sure I didn't have big muscles. But then Stan Efferding got me involved with Stuart McGill, and it's been awesome. I don't have any low back pain. I don't have any problems with going heavy because I took a, a, a time to make a concerted effort to strengthen my core in a proper way, in a real way, and it it was magic. It helped me in so many ways. My posture, my, my general overall well-being, my performance, not only in weight training but in every facet, okay? It, 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 it cannot be overlooked. So that would be my best advice. My other piece of advice is when talking about recovering from surgery, talk to your doctor. Switching over to my Mikey Likes You One account to see if there's any questions over here. Can you explain and give an example of a 5 by 5 workout program? Um, yeah. Oh, sure. I recommend it greatly. I think the 5 by 5 program is a great place if you're ever at a point where you're a beginner and you don't know where to start, 5 by 5 program. If you're um, intermediate level or higher level and you feel like you're in a rut, stop, go back, 5 by 5 program. Hammer the fundamentals, put effort into it. It's, it's awesome. 5 by 5 means 5 sets of 5 reps. Okay? 5 sets, 5 reps. Um, strong Lifts uh, does, it has an entire app, an entire website, an entire everything based around the 5 by 5 program. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm the go-to when it comes to 5 by 5 You should go to Strong Lifts. Check it out. But what it's based around is nothing but compound movements, a very measured and focused rest interval, and you're doing five reps of five sets of given exercises, usually three to four exercises each training session, three sessions a week. Um, if I were to have my way with anyone and be able to pick those exercises – it would be the deadlift, uh, some form. If you're an athlete, I would definitely say the trap bar deadlift is better. It's just safer and doesn't provide as much stress on the lumbar. Um, I would say the bench press. Dumbbell bench press if you have shoulder problems. I would say the barbell row. I would say the squat, and I would say the overhead press, okay? So you have squat, overhead press, deadlift, bench press, and barbell row. You're going to squat every workout. Three days a week, squat, five by five. You're going to bench press or overhead press every other workout. You you. You follow up your squat with either the bench press or the overhead press. You flip-flop between workout A and B. You're going to barbell row flip-flop with the deadlift. Three days a week, five reps, five sets. And there's, you know, a... There's a protocol of rest intervals and actual weight that is based on percentage of one rep maximum. I'm not going to get into those geeky things and, and, and details 
and I encourage you to go to stronglifts.com. Stronglifts.com also has an app that does it all for you. It literally writes out your workouts, has a timer on it, and then can auto-calculate the reps and, uh, excuse me, the weight for each set of five for your upcoming workouts. And it chronicles your previous workouts. So here you go. Week one, day one, squat five by five. Bench press five by five, barbell row five by five. Week uh, week one, day two, which would be a couple days later. Squat five by five, overhead press five by five, deadlift. He prescribes one by five with the deadlift because of the. But I think if you go light enough and work on your form, I'd go five by five. Next workout, go back to the first one but you're flip-flopping again, squat, bench press, barbell row, five by five, and so on, and so on, and so on. Incrementally increasing the weight as you go up and continually grow in your ability to achieve five reps of five sets. If you start with 100 pounds on the squat, you're going up in a very incremental way to your, to the point that you'll be doing five reps uh, for five sets of 200 pounds in six six weeks, six months, whatever it is. I don't know. Again, I don't want to get into the breakdown of the weights and the increment incremental increases, but they are there and they are focused and they are programmed. You're not just randomly going there and doing five reps of five sets. But that's where the name came from. And I do think that people will not – you will not – achieve the same results if you opt for easier exercises. I think that the basis of this program and its benefits come from doing the shit that you don't want to do. That's squats and deadlifts and pressing movements and rows. Not on a hammer machine, not on a Smith machine, really taking the time, maybe even humbling yourself and starting at a super low weight, but learning how to squat, get under the bar and squat, learning how to really bench press, learning how to overhead press, learning how to deadlift and learning how to row. That's the basis of where you're going to make your actual freaking progress. And you know what? It's not sexy. It might be boring, but oh well, because you're going to develop real actual strength. Not what most people think is strength. I mean real strength. Where women actually put weight on a bar when they squat. Because I see so many freaking girls doing like countless amounts of mediocre reps with like 45 pound, you know, 45 pound bar. Or like adding 5 pounds to it and being like, you don't worry. No, 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 no. Little teeny itty bitty chicks squat big. And those are the chicks that have ripped bodies that you want. Okay, wear a belt, buy a real powerlifting belt, cinch that shit up, learn how to squat and deadlift and go for it. There you go. After that, after you really do that, after you really commit to yourself to doing that, you commit yourself to doing it, then you can start exploring a lot of things and those things actually become reasonable and feasible. Real fat loss becomes reasonable. Real muscle gain becomes reasonable. Real performance becomes reasonable. It, none of that really is achievable if you're starting from a point where you have no strength because you're just going to end up spinning your wheels. Thank you. Can you recommend some movies? Thanks. 
Brawl in Cell Block 99. Uh, I just watched Serpico again for the first time in a long time. Amazing. Um, Blue Ruin. Uh, uh, Midnight Cowboy. If anyone, if there's any movies there that on that list that you haven't seen, go watch those. Frozen Morning sent that in. Andy Yao eight nine four. Are box squats ideal while dieting with knee pain? Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Are box squats ideal while dealing with knee pain and working on mobility to fix the issue? I don't want to stop squatting altogether. Tough to say. Box squats can be less demanding on the knee because you're hinging more, taking away the focus from the knee. The the, the movement point is moved backwards, so therefore you're taking more um, pressure off the knee. That being said, n- knee issues, knee injuries that's not like a monolithic thing. They come in many shapes and forms. And box squats wouldn't necessarily be the best thing for some knee injuries, and it would be great for others. Um, again, it's it's kind of too vague a question for me to feel comfortable answering it. Exactly nail down what type of knee injury you're recovering from and then either get back to me or check with someone else who is trust trustworthy cool okay um yeah looks like that's it i appreciate it everyone i honestly do i I not only appreciate everyone who sent in questions and if i couldn't get to your question i'm really sorry or if you sent it in after i recorded this i'm really sorry I want to. I want to help. I always try to get to my DMs, but it's gotten overwhelming, which is kind of flattering because that means that people are into it and trustworthy, trusting of me. Um, you can always also join the Patreon where I do get the ability to talk to people more frequently and you get filtered out a little bit and you get more information from me. I, I blog and put videos and workout programs and whatnot. Um, So there you go. I love you all. I really do appreciate it. Um... Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money.